The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 527, coming at you early on a Wednesday, at least early on my side of the world, but it seems like it's been a long day already, because there's been just ridiculous stuff going on as a Giants fan, and we'll get to that shortly. You can find me on Twitter, at BDentric, and I am joined by a special, special guest, a friend of the show, been on many, many times now, bullpen guru, expert, however you want to say it, for rotowire.com, really good poker player, but more importantly, really good fancy player, really good guy. And he's an avid golfer too when he can, where his in the Midwest when the seasons allow. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Ryan Roof R U F E. Ryan, how are we doing, my friend? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no golf uh, recently. I was trying to get out in December, but uh, it's going to be. Or we have a, a winter storm warning uh, just issued here in the Midwest. I think uh, it's going to affect some holiday travel. We have family coming in from Michigan tomorrow which is uh they're coming in early to try to beat that storm and i think uh browns host the saints on saturday and it's going to be like negative degrees so um kind of bracing for the the incoming weather but um hopefully it'll be a white christmas here in cleveland um I'm not sure if you've ever had a white Christmas or not, but uh, only time I have is uh, my ex in laws. They live up in Reno, and uh, and they have a place in Incline Village over by North Shore Tahoe. One morning, one Christmas morning, we woke up and the place was just covered in snow. So that was a uh, that was very cool. But I don't get it perennially like you guys do, or at least every so often like you guys do. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool. I, I like the white Christmas prize. I don't know how you guys live their full full season. I just can't do it. That's too much for my uh, West Coast butt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of years, I think past couple of years, we haven't had a white Christmas, but I think we're supposed to get like six inches of snow. So, oh wow. Um, so that'll make it 
at least fun. a little more appropriate for the holiday. But uh, no, yeah, definitely. happy to join you today and talk some fantasy baseball. Yep, looking forward to it as always. Uh, before we get into the fun of the recent news and the bullpens of the world, uh, plug away what you got going on RotoWire and everything else you got going on. Yeah, this was a, a heavy month of doing uh, outlooks, uh, player outlooks for rotowire.com. Um, on each player page, you'll see an outlook for the season, you know, kind of at the top of the page. So uh, really focused just on relievers, done about 130 outlooks for relievers thus far. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's yep. been fun uh, to do that. So uh, it really kind of helps me uh you know, formulate my opinions on certain relievers, um, you know, specs for saves, um, who's next in line for saves. Uh, and a lot of that we'll talk about today. So it's pretty exciting. Um, also going to be working on my initial closer rankings for 2023. I was going to try to get that up before the new year, but not sure that's going to happen. But if, um, if not, I'll get that up early in January. Um, and I'll try to do like, uh, you know, forecasted saves. I'll look at, you know, what the projections say in terms of forecasted saves, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, been a busy month, um, doing just fantasy baseball research, getting into a bunch of drafts. I'm doing, done about a handful of gladiators on the NFBC platform, um, about a handful of NFBC fifties, handful of DCs. Um, so yeah, um, got a good feel for the player pool and the market and where I, I you know, want to target certain players, especially relievers. So um, been pretty interesting. Like I've been like last year I was like all early closers and this year, like I still kind of want to get one early guy, but I've been more so waiting, uh, taking more specs later. So it's been kind of an interesting shift uh, for me. And I don't know if it's just because this point of the off season, we have a lot more clarity than we did last year with the, the lockout and stuff. But um, yeah, I've been, I've been before Kenley Jansen signed, I had a lot of Kenley Jansen. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, he was kind of like the first closer, mm-hmm. like I was comfortable with like in the bottom tier of the top guys. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's been, been a fun off season thus, thus far. Yeah, it definitely has been. And uh, that's always, well, usually been my philosophy is give me one good closer, solid closer, and I'll kind of build the rest. Uh, last year was definitely different. I think you made a great point is, you know, uh, I said it, I think a few episodes ago with Ryan or something, the first big signing last year wasn't until like February with Machado. We're yeah. almost done with all the big signings. Like literally, I, I think MLB like tweeted out the top guys at every position. You're like, yeah, they're good. But are these really impactful players for what we do? Probably not. Like at least not early on in drafts. So um, yeah, there's a I'm lot for that Jerickson profile signing. You know, hey, don't worry. Like, oh, we'll segue. We'll segue right into this with the Giants bat. Like just completely screwing up the entire offseason, uh, yeah. missing out on Judge and Cray and everything else, and in doing so, missed out on Swanson and others. Um, I now look at that tweet from MLB.com and go, wow, so we have all of this money to spend. Just give me the whole sheet, apparently. We can take, we can pay for all of them and see what mess. So we might get profile. We might get Gene Segura. We might get all these guys that can hit 10 home runs and see what see what happens. So, yeah, what was your thoughts? Because I, I could go on an entire show by myself. I, I could be like Mad Dog Unleashed here in a minute. So we'll, we'll leave that one to, to him. 
what's your thoughts on what took place there? Because I've heard actually some interesting takes of late on MLB Network that the Giants at the same time screw this whole thing up with Correa. Like, how do you do this deal and then miss out on all this other stuff? But at the same time, they said they need to look into this deeper because how does it go from a press conference on Tuesday to less than 24 hours, a 12-year, $315 million deal with those specifics are done already? Something sounds a little bit uh, behind the scenes was going on. Like Correa was almost on his way out. Like I don't know. There's there's some interesting things going on there. What's your thoughts on this Correa deal? Because obviously for fantasy, he's going to play third base. Um, it depends on who you believe on Twitter. It's going to be a big move. I believe Mike Curland, but um, we'll we'll see where things go there. So how do you uh, how do you see all this? Well, at first I didn't believe it because it was John Heyman who whose <laughs> tweet I saw first, and then he you know broke that judged uh, San Francisco news, and then. That didn't happen. So um, then I saw Jeff Passan tweet it, and I was like, "Oh, okay. So this is probably real." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's it's wacky, man. I, I I don't know the specifics of what they they noticed, um, you know, on the within the physical or the medicals or whatever. I don't know if you have any details on that, but um, it's just it's just really really strange. I mean, it kind of reminds me, like I think I said this a couple podcasts ago. Kind of reminds me of like the Deshaun Watson thing where, oh, yeah. you know, he was yeah. like, no, Browns are out. And then all of a sudden <laughs> he signs with the Browns. It's just so weird. So yeah. it's a lot of craziness happening. A lot of craziness. And it, it, the good thing is like I was listening to Susan Slusser, who's one of the best beat reporters in the Bay Area. She's been with the Giants and the A's and she's just phenomenal what she does. And she was on vacation, but they had her on MLB Network. And she's in London on vacation, and she's this is what's going on because of this Korean news. Like completely, just take you get your kids in the background. I'm laughing, going, "Wow, this is what this, this is what this Korean news." Is. Like I thought I had it bad. She's probably furious right now. Um, yeah. But but one thing she seriously said, and it made so much sense, was the Giants front office has to answer questions now because they can't just like sit back and go, "Oops." So and she said one of the most important questions is going to be. Was this a serious like? Because we the, the report said it was medical, so now like, we need to know what was it like. Is it worth losing him because he was going to be out for half of the first season of a thirteen-year deal, or what is it? What are we just saying medical to save our butt because he's leaving to go to the Mets because like scorn lovers? Uh, she's basically like, we need answers, uh, even like not just reporters, Giants fans, because this is not a good look at all. <laughs> this is a bad situation. So. I'm we curious. have to wonder too if it's like partly player driven. Like, what if Gray was just like told the Giants, like, you know what? I don't know, man. Having no. second thoughts, hundred percent. They just kind of like made so, yeah. that up about his medicals or something. That's why she said we need answers because I think it yeah. could definitely be that too. I think it could be that for the fact that that deal was done so quickly with the Mets. Like we know the Mets will just throw money around, but to put a twelve year deal together still takes a little bit of time to to get yeah. the the specifics figured out and to do it with less than twenty four hours when a conference just magically gets canceled because of medicals. That seems a little on the fishier side of things. So I'm 100% with you, too. I think it could be easily Craig going, you know what? You know, my buddy Lindor and these guys called me up, and this looks like a lot better fit over here. Let's get out of here. Like, I don't need to be in yeah in, in, in San Francisco. So I've been on the phone like, with Lindor, like, after he signed with the Giants, and Lindor was like, ah, oh, man, what the hell? You know, yeah, exactly. I had kinda... this deal lined up for you, man. It's so cool yeah. over here. Like, so I, I, I could 100% believe that, too. Like, that is definitely on the table. Uh, so I'd, I'd love answers. Don't know if we'll ever get the right answers, but I would like something besides just like, oops, we screwed up. Let's move on. Uh, give me something here because there's a lot Crawford of Crawford season, baby. Yeah, he's back. He's back. He, they're going to have played third base, which I was skeptical of. Well, now he's back at short. More importantly, what I love to see 
and I've been preaching him up on recent, even last night's show with Toby. I'm a Thyro Estrada fan, and he was already locked into second base. Now he's really locked in because, yeah. uh, like, now you don't have to worry about Flores floating around. He can go play third or something. Like, it really secures that middle infield, at least before injuries or whatnot. And um, it does lock that in, at least for now, until they go and sign Gene Segura or something. Like, why couldn't they get Brandon Drury for two years, $17 million? I'd love that move. Like, you see, this is why you can't get me started on this. Let's talk about some other hot stove <laughs> stuff. Um, what, we're just going to kind of spitball some things here, just kind of get Ryan's uh, takes on this. What was your favorite hot stove move for fantasy purposes? Like, which one you did, when you saw it, like, Excellent. This is the one right here. Probably Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo back back to the Yankees. Um, you know, we know what they can do in that stadium, you know, with that lineup. I just think it, you know, going to a new team, you kind of almost have to, like, you know, knock the player a little bit. You know, new team, new contract, pressure, new fans, you know, new teammates, blah, 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 all this stuff. So I think them going back to the Yankees, I think it just kind of makes me more comfortable drafting them, um, and especially Rizzo with the you know the short porch and in right and and you know Judge's captain now over in New York. So um, I think that was probably my favorite move, at least for for fantasy purposes, because I did get a lot of early Judge and Rizzo like in in my early early drafts. So seeing them go back to the Yankees is um, Makes me feel a little, little bit more confident in those picks. Yeah. I like the so. I like the I like the Rizzo one for sure because I was kind of hesitant yeah. at first. And when he lands there, it's like I've been telling myself I need to start taking him a little more seriously, not just kind of putting him off where he's getting or his ADP is right now. There's definitely more appeal than there was before. Now that he's back in, in the Bronx, I'm 100 percent with you on that. Now on the flip side of things, you know, some guys just take money and they don't care about our our fantasy dreams. So. um what move was like for you the worst for fantasy purposes potentially? Uh, it's kind of a little weird question for me because um, this has more to do with like who I've been targeting already in drafts and how yeah. it affects them. So Fair. for me, it's Korea going to, to the Mets. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of uh, targeting third base a little bit later than others just because um Oh, there's a few guys I like really late. Like Justin Turner is just going way too late. And and now that he's has a contract, I think he'll with Boston, I think he'll he'll start moving up a little bit. Um, but Yandy Diaz was another guy who was really comfortable drafting late. And a couple others were Eduardo Escobar, Brett Beatty. Um, I just like taking shots on those guys as, you know, the my third third baseman. Um so Korea going to the Mets, probably gonna play third certainly impacts their, you know, plate appearances and playing time. So that's kind of a bummer from that perspective. But I think it also kind of gives Starling Marte a little bit of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, Cray hit second all last year. I think probably continue to hit second in front of Lindor with the Mets. So and maybe they keep Marte there. I don't, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, you're investing long-term in Cray. I'm thinking he's probably going to hit wherever he wants. Um, so, you know, that gives a little knock to Marte in terms of plate appearances, you know, I don't know. So it's kind of a a weird answer. Not so much like Correa himself, 
That's a good going point. to the Mets. Uh, the trickle down his, effect. Yeah, it's kind of like the trickle down yeah. of who else it impacts on that team. So, no, it's it's a great point though, because yeah, you know Escobar, if he's going to play two thirds of the games at third in a DC, that's a great third option type thing. And and Beatty, we all have hope for him that 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 goes away. So it's a great point. And Marte, yeah, all of it trickle when he the Mets have quote unquote the embarrassment of riches is what it's coming down to now, and that's going to always affect somebody in that lineup for sure. Uh, and last but not least here. What was your most surprising move for fantasy? And let's not say Carlos Correa, please. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it was Milwaukee trading like two solid veteran hitters and uh, Colton Wong, Hunter Renfro. Good call. Um, really opens the door for some of their younger players. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, potentially Joey Weimer um, to, to contribute this season. And yeah. I think a lot of those guys are, are kind of, you know, upside plays later in, in DCs and fifties and, and stuff like that. So um, I was kind of surprised to see them move on from those guys. I was like, well, well they're, they're, you know, they're going to rebuild, you know, they traded hater last year. There, there was uh, rumors of them potentially moving uh, Corbin Burns moved on from Wong and Renfro. So I'm like, man, you know, are they going to rebuild or, or what? But, you know, not, they still have a pretty solid team, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I don't know. Well, we, had a, we, had a, we had the same questions with them last year. When they went and traded Hayter. Like, what are you doing? And there's Devin yeah. Williams. And, like, they, they make the pieces work. They find, for now, eventually, like, that luck will draw out where you trade a guy and the returns aren't what you hope they are. But um, that rebuild question, I, I'm with you because I was, I was surprised by the Wong and Renfro part of it. But they have options. So they believe in their options, which is good, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, who knows if Jesse Winker will stay healthy there. But, you know, it's got a lot of solid hitters. I mean, you still have Christian Yelich, Rowdy Telez, you know, Drang could be pretty good as like a late middle infield target. So yeah. I made that. It would be that an t- interesting team to, to track throughout the season because, you know, if, they, if they're kind of falling out of it, like do they – do they move on from their starters or or what? Well, there's been rumors already, of, like you said, yeah. of the Burns Woodruff of the world. And I was joking with Fish on Monday night that, um, you know, people talk about stacking in fantasy, like with the Blue Jays a couple years back and everything. I'm like, well, if you really wanted to do it, the Brewers are cheap because you can get like the Telezes, the Adamases, the Yelichs, like that whole like middle of the lineup in the late like the early teens rounds and still put a decent start to your team and if for some reason the brewers show up like if they all do their thing that's an interesting build not saying it's a must but it's doable it's very doable so it's just kind of fun so for sure all right let's talk bullpens he is the bullpen man at rotowire.com he's got his great uh, closer sheet he's got depth charts he's got next up in lines he's got all kinds of stuff over that rotowire which is great um, I'm not going to give away all the goodies. I'm just going to kind of tee him up and let him uh, give you what he wants to give you on there because he puts a lot of time into those sheets. Um, but we're going to go division by division. I have no particular order. I literally just put these down off the top of my head. I was impressed. I could remember all teams. That shows you how much I do this stuff. But um, we'll start with the AL East because that's how things go in this world. And we'll start with the New York Yankees, get them out of the way right now. But it's one of those that, you know, Aroldis Chapman's still a free agent because he blew up last year. You got Clay Holmes doing his thing. I've always been a Johnny Lasagna fan. Um, they have a lot of options there, which is what the Yankees do. There's even guys not on your list that the fourth, fifth guy down the list that you wouldn't be surprised at some point in time 
get some love. Like there's there's depth in New York. Hopefully they don't need it like they did last year. But how do you look at this Yankees bullpen? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I think Clay Holmes is is the favorite for for saves. Um, I think he has top five closer upside. He he just had an extended run of dominance dating back to you know when he was traded from the Pirates to the Yankees. Had a seventy six percent ground ball rate last year, which led all relievers. Um, but just had a couple injuries that marred his second half, you know, a back injury and a shoulder strain. So, um, you know, health will be the big question coming into 2023. And if uh, he has some setbacks in that regard, they have a couple of different options they could turn to. Boisega pitched really well in the playoffs and towards the end of last year, um, Lou Trevino has closing experience. Greg Wiesert from, you know, was kind of brought up as their, Triple A closer, closer in the minors, Wendy Peralta, um, Tommy Canley is coming back. So definitely have a lot of options they could turn to. Uh, if Holmes doesn't work out, but um, I really, Holmes is one of my biggest targets right now. Just the range he's going, I think, um, you know, it's, it's it's worth, you know, the risk um, taking him there uh, where he's going. Yeah, especially if you think the Yankees are going to win another 100 games or close to it. That's going to be a lot of save opportunities for Mr. Holmes. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely one. He's not super expensive right now, which is great to see. Like yeah, over past, the last uh, three weeks, um, you're probably going to say the same thing. <laughs> say I was going to say the thing. past the past month. Yeah, he's 118 yeah. basically in DCs. Yeah, yeah. So that's so not like a, round seven, round eight. Yeah, it's um, not a crazy price tag, all things right. considered. Yeah, if you miss on that whole top, you know, tier – tier of closers he's he's one i'm i'm really like targeting. That. yeah yeah he's also one of the good ones obviously it's common sense if you try to double tap but you don't want to double tap super early like get one early and then swing one through like that's not a bad option too um to go in that direction let's go to boston who a couple weeks ago we'd have a fun conversation trying to figure out this boston bullpen they got chris martin which is a great ad you know schreiber's had his moments but i think we're good now ryan kenley jansen is the man in Beantown for now. And I think that means it's Kenley Jansen's season in draft boards. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. He, he, uh, he solidified a lot of questions in that bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was really, really high on John Schreiber early in draft season. So I was bummed to see, you know, those shares kind of get blown up in smoke. But, you know, he could, he could still, uh, you know, be like the next man up. If uh, when Jansen's unavailable, I mean, Trevor was just so good. Chris Martin was an excellent uh, addition for Boston. Um, lowest walk rate in the league last year among relievers. So, um, yeah, so I don't think there's much more to talk about with Jansen. Uh, he's very clearly the closer. Um, I think uh, you can kind of take Matt Barnes off your DC radar now. Um, not that there's not going to be a committee there. So, yeah. I'm 100% with you. Seems like a pretty quick one. Barring yeah. an injury, it's Kenley Jansen time. Tampa Bay. Now, this is one that always is a conundrum. Seems like one guy ends up being the guy, but the guy is only like a 15-save guy at the best because there's so many of them that get involved. But they're all elite relievers for the most part, like when they get their chance, even just to, for innings fillers. So, you know, we've seen Fairbanks. We've seen guys they've traded in the past. Jason, uh, Adam is, is awesome. I've seen his name in a lot of discussions. How are you approaching this raised bullpen? Are you just hands off? Do you have guys you're looking to target? How, how are you going about it? Yeah, I'm certainly targeting a few guys. Um, and it really kind of depends where where 
Pete Fairbanks goes. Um, don't really like him at his current ADP, but if he like slips to like the late or kind of early 200s, you know, think about him. You know, mid early to mid 200s, I would I would consider taking him just because he was so good. Uh, second half last year, he was ridiculously good. Um, and so was Jason Adam. I mean, they just those are the two guys I'm really kind of targeting right now. If you can pair them together, you could have you know 80% of the the race saves. Um, they do like to get everyone involved in the ninth inning. So I think last year it was 11 relievers combined for 44 saves. So, um, you know, there's certainly some risk in taking those guys, but if you can get 10 saves from, you know, Fairbanks or, uh, and, or Adam, um, we're both really good. Otherwise, um, I think you're you're on the right track. Only thing with Fairbanks is he's he's averaged just 28 and a half innings uh, per season for his career, so injuries are just a, a constant for him. Um, but if he stays healthy, you know, sky's the limit. So, um, and then one guy I like really late. Um, they traded Brooks Raley to the Mets, um, so uh, they have a couple lefties left over. Colin Pache. Um, who I'm not really in on. Uh, he was kind of near the leaderboard uh, in saves for that team last year, but he gives up too many home runs. Um, I really like Garrett Clevenger. I watched him in the playoffs uh, against the Guardians last year, and he was just looks nasty. Um, so he's kind of like my dark horse I'm targeting after around 40 in, in drafts right now. Um, I know others are, are on him too, even the leagues I'm not taking him. Uh, Clevender is being drafted. So, um, yeah, he's, he's one I would, I would keep an eye on post round 40. Making a note for myself on that one. We will move on to the Toronto Blue Jays where Jordan Romano was awesome last year. They've, they've enhanced their pen a bit with a few more moves last season and early this off season. Um, and there's even been rumors of a potential Ryan Helsley trade to Toronto, which that would make things a little more interesting to me, Ryan. Right now, like Jordan Romano's the guy, but there's options there in case something goes wrong. And you know, Romano's he, he was close to bad injury at one point last year, it felt like. So what what are you thinking here with uh, Toronto? Helsley rumor is interesting. I just I don't yeah. I don't I don't necessarily see believe that. Um yeah. I don't know. It's it's so weird because like outside of Helsley and Gallegos, like the, the Cardinals bullpen like isn't that great. So unless they're like really, really confident in Jordan Hicks, like being like the, the, the next guy <laughs> or being able to enter that mix for saves again, um, I don't see them trading Helsley. Uh, but uh, yeah, Romano, he, he was, you know, I talked about him all last year. He was my fifth ranked closer early last year. Really interested to see where he ends up in my rankings this season. It's probably going to be top 10 still, but um Walks are a little high, 8.1%. K rate dropped below 30% last year. So um, nothing too concerning there, but just something to kind of monitor um, with Romano, especially the walks. Um, you know, and he was top five in saves. He went 36 uh, saves last year. So um, John Schneider's back as the manager. He really kind of relied on Romano heavily towards the end of last year. So I'm sure he'll be up there in terms of the number of save chances he's getting, but you know, they did acquire Eric Swanson from the Mariners in the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Um, 
Adam Simber and Anthony Bass are really good, like seventh inning guys. Um, I think Swanson's kind of the, the, the eighth inning guy, next man up behind Romano, um, you know, and potentially could get even more work just because Swanson was so good last year. So, um, yeah, I'd still draft Romano with confidence, but I'd, I'm not sure he's still in the top five for me, maybe a little bit lower than that, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Still a very, very, very good reliever if you can make it work. Uh, we'll head to Baltimore here where Felix Bautista put his name on the map last year. Like we kind of knew a little bit about him going to last year, but pure dominance last year. Ended up taking the closers role when Jorge Lopez got traded to Minnesota. Uh, this is a guy that I've been loving to target in early drafts. Um, maybe I'm, I'm crazy because it's still Baltimore, but I think this guy's stuff is just nasty. So what do you have on the Baltimore bullpen? Yeah, Bautista is a safe closer one, in my opinion. I think the the leverage ladder is very clear-cut in Baltimore um, with, with Bautista as the favorite for saves. Um, little competition for the role. I mean, Dylan Tate is, was really good last season. They just added Michael Givens, um, who came back to Baltimore for a couple years with uh, other teams. But Bautista, splitter, 53 and a 0.3% uh, whiff rate which was second best in the league for that pitch type last year. Uh, 35% K rate, 43% ground ball rate. I mean, not much more you can ask for from a closer. Um, like with Romano, we just talked about uh, Batista's walks are a little high, um, just under 10%, but um, I just don't think there's anyone else uh, for that role. I, I, I do have um, a couple Batista shares, and I did back him up with Tate, like, you know, in the last couple picks. Um, you know, Tate doesn't really strike too many batters out, but he had the, the league's best sinker by uh run value, stat cast run value last year. Um, always posts uh upper 50s ground ball rate, uh, really was a workhorse for the Orioles, pitched 73 and two thirds innings last year. So, um, I'm kind of I think he's pretty much clearly the next man up, and um. You know, if something happens with Bautista, starts walking too many batters or gets hurt, I think I think they would go to Tate. I like it. I like it. Uh, let's go to the AL Central here, and we'll start with your guys, the Cleveland Guardians. Pretty sure this is a no-brainer, right, Ryan? Yeah. Um, <laughs> not much to say about Emmanuel Classe. He's the number one closer for many. Um, like I said, I haven't prepared my initial closer rankings yet, but he's likely to be first or second on the list. Um, just a stud, man. Like. Yeah is ridiculous uh it's just very lucky as a guardians fan that i get to watch him uh, every day so um but beyond him uh you know the guardians bullpen depth was a big question mark heading into last season but like there were several guys that like really really emerged um james karinchak was like a question mark but like came back um you know after a couple months early in the season, 39% K rate, uh, still walked nearly five batters per nine, but I mean, he was looking like his dominant self again. Uh, Trevor Steffen emerged uh, as a reliable late inning reliever for Cleveland. And I don't know if people know this, but um, I really realize it, but Sam Henches, uh, lefty out of the pen, at a velocity, had a ridiculous second half, um, 030 ERA, 057 whip, uh, with 36 Ks over his final 29 to two thirds innings. It's not bad. It's just, yeah, I think uh, 
that dude is pretty damn good and uh someone i'm targeting late like when you're when when you're in DCs and like all the good starters are gone post round 30, like he's one of the guys I'm, I'm, I'm picking up like kind of bulk reliever types who will pitch 70 plus innings, probably have good ratios, could step into some saves. Might even go back to the rotation at some point. Like he was a former starter. Um, but you know, we'll see on that, but yeah, I really like henches a lot. So um, yeah, Cleveland's bullpen really good. Well, it makes sense for a team that even last year, like, how are they in the playoff contention? Well, because mm-hmm. their starting pitching is good enough to go five or six, and you put a bullpen like that behind it, it keeps you in most ball games. Like, it yeah. really does. You don't have to be the – because the offense is always the question. It's like, they have J-Ram and who, and, you know, Oscar showed up, and guys started to hit a little bit. But Josh Naylor, I'm a huge fan of. They added Bell this year. So, like, they're actually kind of as annoying as it was, like, when Lindor left and the J-Ram rumors and everything. They still kind of are putting it together right now. Like the team isn't that bad. If you look at the whole picture, you look at the division they're in. So that bullpen, that's I'm glad you highlighted a lot of those names because it just proves why they're successful. When you have a bullpen like that, you can look to any day, and it goes in a big, big way. Detroit Tigers. This is a bullpen that is a lot different than the Cleveland bullpen at times. They have maybe depth. I'll, I'll put that nicely, but you know, Gregory Soto got you the saves, also got you the whip heard around the world. Um, there's a bunch of other options, revolving door in Detroit. So how are you attacking this? This team, it seems like a team that you can maybe take some late DC darts on some guys. Cause there will be a, like a revolving door potentially there at the same time. It's the Detroit Tigers. So how do you go about this one? Yeah. Um, Gregory Soto, whenever I see him like go off the board in my drafts, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> thankful. Like, I don't have to do you know, he had the now. he had the third highest team save share among closers last year. He had 30 of the Tigers 38 saves, uh, which was almost 79%. But um sixth worst sixth worst walk rate among qualified relievers, uh close to 13%. And his strikeout rate dropped to like league average basically, 20 22.8%. So I really don't want any part of Gregory Soto at all, especially with the K rate um, plummeting. Basically, um, I just, I just don't want him. So before uh, Joe Jimenez was traded, I uh, I was targeting him pretty heavily in in DCs. Um, so I thought he could easily step into the the closer role in Detroit. But but now I think uh, Alex Lang is the reliever I want from this team. Had the best. Uh, whiff rate in the league for a curveball and a changeup, both above 56%. Um, 30 plus percent strikeout rate, 55% ground ball rate. Um, passed round 34 ADP over the last three weeks. Um, not sure how much more you can ask for there. Uh, 11% walk rate was pretty high, but um, he's the guy I want. And he's really the only guy I want from the Detroit pen and drafts this year. So. I, I like that a lot. It makes me feel a little better because that's actually a guy I have been taking late in my 50s. So as kind of a, the guy I'd circle his next man up. And as a guy that has had Soto shares in the past, I know that train is eventually going to come off the rails, like for good. So, um, yeah, I, I like that call quite a bit. So the Chicago White Sox, this is going to be a fun one. I'm just going to incorporate our listener question into this. Um, the War Dog. Great Twitter follower, great NFBC player. Let me get his wording correctly here. Because um, we know Liam Hendricks is the closer for now. 
Uh, and the question Wardog has is for early drafters, how much do you weigh the chance that Hendricks could be a setup man in Queens when season starts? Because there has been serious discussions of the White Sox are shopping Liam Hendricks. And this is a team that in the past traded for Craig Kimbrell to have two closers. They went and got Graveman, who was a closer. So they've always appreciated like the double closer and just the depth in Chicago. And maybe this is why it gives them the opportunity to trade Liam Hendricks, one of the best closers in baseball, which is nuts. But then the kind of second part of this rise obviously will open the door in Chicago. So we'll talk about the depth of the Chicago pen. But if Hendricks says he goes to New York, well, he's not taking Edwin Diaz's job. Uh, if he goes to like another team that has a locked in closer, there's not that many that are better than him, but now he's not the closer. So let's talk White Sox bullpen and how do you approach Liam Hendricks? Yeah. Shout out to the war dog. Uh, season 38 survivor edge of extinction. He's the man. Um, love survivor. So I'm a huge survivor fan. So nice, like nice. the fact that war dogs part of our fantasy oh, baseball world. community is pretty, yep. pretty damn cool. Um, but yeah, uh, free agent market's pretty thin on effective closers. Um, you know, Edwin Diaz signed really early um, during the offseason. And the available closers that are currently on the market, um, Taylor Rogers, Craig Kimbrell, Aroldis Chapman, um, haven't been effective. So keyword, you know, effective closers there. So it's, it's not really a surprise to see uh, Hendrick's name come up during the winter meetings. Um, he's been one of the best closers in the league past four years, but um, there may be some signs of decline that the White Sox kind of want to get ahead of and trade him while he's still pretty valuable. I mean, um, first of all, he's been a slow starter past couple of years. Um, he has been able to overcome them both years. He's still been really, really good, um, but just kind of a, a trend to monitor. Um you know, as he approaches his kind of mid to late thirties. Um, and then three weeks last year, he missed with a forearm strain. So, you know, he was pretty good after returning from that injury, but you know, when you hear forearm strain and a pitcher, you kind of get scared. So, um, yeah, uh, it's an interesting rumor. Um, perhaps the Correa and, Adam Adovino signings, you know, they just, True. their payrolls, 380 some million now, and even more with they the luxury tax. So they don't does that, yeah, does that, <laughs> I mean, potentially play into the possibility of them acquiring Hendricks, you know, who's due to make $15 million uh, next couple, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be an issue for, for <laughs> the Mets owner, but that's a possible reason why they wouldn't acquire him. Yeah, and you're, you're you're right there. What's funny? You mentioned the luxury tax. I saw a tweet today. They have 111 million dollars in luxury yeah. tax. That's, that's only more 10, than the Guardians' like entire payroll. Yeah, there's only <laughs> 10 teams with a payroll above that. 10 in yeah. all of baseball. I think that's what I read. It's either 10 above or below. It's got to be above because there's so many more that are below that. So their luxury tax is like the 11th highest payroll in baseball. But sorry, as you were, I just thought that was amazing. Again, the Korea thing will not leave my head today. Um, but yeah, so if Hendricks is there, he's the guy. If he's not there, are we just jumping straight to Grayman, or are there other options in Chicago that uh, tickle your fancy? Um, well, it's interesting because uh, Graveman, um, he led the league 
or led the AL with 27 holds last year. But his strikeout rate dropped to 23%. Uh, since transitioning to the bullpen, he's got a 121 whip. So if you look at his just kind of his, his lines from recent seasons, 2021 kind of looks like an outlier. Um, he's also made trips to the IL each of the past four seasons. So, you know, he's got that name value, but he's a much riskier uh, bet for fantasy than you might expect. Um, so I'm probably not going there, especially if he kind of creeps up draft boards. Um, let's see where he's at. He's ADP right now, 540. So, I mean, he's not going super early, but at least the last three weeks. Um, that's like round 35, 36-ish. I don't know. Um, I'm a lot more interested in Reynaldo Lopez yes. uh, from that pen. Yeah. Um, the best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It's just an intriguing spec for saves and DCs and, and NFBC 50s even. So um, I'd much rather kind of take the shot there than, than go to Graveman, who's, you know, 121 whip isn't bad, but it's not like great for a closer. You know, no, not by any means. So, but um, on the flip side of that, let's if we if Hendricks does get traded, say he does go to the Mets, does that completely eliminate him for from the possibility for saves? No. Um, no. You know, Buck Walter did use Edwin Diaz earlier in games a few times last year, so you know that it would obviously take a hit to Diaz and Hendricks' projected save total. Uh, they're both still really good pitchers, but I could still see him getting 10 to 20 saves, even if he gets traded to the Mets. Um, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So, um, but in terms of his ADP, um, past three weeks, he hasn't slipped past pick 41. Um, probably start slipping past the Devin Williams, Ryan Presley tier, which is like pick 50. Um maybe even the Batista Helsley Jansen tier of closers. That's like pick 60 to 75. So I think from a, you know, depends on like how comfortable you are with, with certain closers. Um, like me, I'm really comfortable with Camilo Duvall around like pick 80. Um, I might consider taking Hendricks maybe right after him, you know, around the Bednar 
Scott Barlow range. Um, that's, that's fair. Generally, pick eighty to one fifteen uh, is where you see those guys go. So, um, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd probably rather have Clay Holmes and Hendricks right now with this rumor. Um, but you know, possibly gets traded somewhere else where he's still a bona fide clear cut closer. So. We'll see. It's an interesting rumor and certainly have its impacts if it if it comes to fruition. Yeah, it'll be it might be one of the last major moves to take place because we kind of joked earlier about what's left on the market and everything. It's not a bunch of big names right now, but a Liam Hendricks trade would do a lot to uh keep the hot stove burning. And I'm with you. Like I just I've looked right over him so far and I've been all in on Hendricks in recent years. But it's like give me Classe or Diaz, give me Iglesias, give me some of these guys. Um it, just with the uncertainty of Hendricks, I, it, the it feels like it's almost more than rumors. Like they're really pushing the narrative. Like we want to trade Liam Hendricks. Is what it feels like it's it's more than just a rumor. It feels like I could be totally wrong. So not knowing if he'll be a setup man, like does he get the Iglesias treatment and go to to Atlanta behind Jansen type thing? So or the Mets situation, or does he get you know like uh, Jorge Lopez went to Minnesota and he was a closer? Like does he get a job like that? So. Um, I, they're not going to trade him in division, I wouldn't think, but like a, a situation like that could be interesting. And uh, what, like maybe he gets traded to Arizona. Arizona's yeah. actually looking to move like Varsho and these outfielders. Like, hey, <laughs> that's something that actually could physically work for both sides of the spectrum. And then he's still a legit dude. And now you're thinking, okay, man, I could have taken him as like the fourth closer off the board again. So, like you said, it's all about the risk reward. So, kind of like to War Dog's question, I've just been avoiding him right now. I like how you put it, though, even with the questions, and even if he was the second man in, say, New York and gets what he's 10 to 15 saves at least, he should fit in that Bednar range. So now he's like a the 10th, let's just say 10th closer off the board. Move him down there. So I can live with that. I just can't live with him at his current cost, and his cost isn't budging much, even with the rumors. So yeah. I, I, I'm with you on that one. That's a, a good good way of breaking it down there. And I, I love the Ronaldo call because that's – Another guy I've had circled late, late, late in drafts. Yeah, Just, I think, even, even for his viability, like in, as a mid mid innings guy, he was great last year. Yeah, I think I think Hendricks is. We've probably seen the peak from him. It's not to say he's not a good pitcher, and he's still really, really good. Like, I, I mean, his command slipped last year a little bit, but he still had one of the highest K minus walk percentages among relievers. Like, he's he's still an elite guy. So, um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It would be really interesting to see if, uh, like, if the Mets acquired him, how they would, you know, distribute saves between him and Diaz. Because, um, you know, they showed the willingness to use Diaz earlier, uh, and I still think there's moves to be made in the Mets bullpen. Like, Adam Anavino was a good, you know, re-signing him was a good move. Um, trading for Brooks Raley was a good move. I mean, they lost like four relievers from their pen to free agency, so. Um, they might need another guy, and Hendricks could certainly address that. So, yep. we'll have to wait and see. Let's go to the Kansas City Royals. Always an interesting one because you know the team doesn't win that many ball games, but they seem to have usually have a closer in play. And last year, Scott Barlow was good enough. He was good enough to get you saves. Um, I was always been a Josh Stomont guy. He battled injuries, didn't quite have what we were hoping for. Still showed some signs at the end of the year. They have some options there. Still the Royals in the ends. How do you approach Kansas City? Yeah, Scott Barlow's the best guy by far in that bullpen right now. I mean, they have new new coaches, uh, new manager. Um, Matt Quattraro is the new manager, new pitching coach. Brian Sweeney was the former 
Guardians bullpen coach. So right now we just have no idea how they intend to to manage the bullpen. But but from a talent perspective, Barlow's very clearly the best guy. Um, he's really I do have some interest in Dylan Coleman late. Um, he was utilized pretty heavily during his first full season in the big leagues last year, but um, eighth worst walk rate among relievers, uh, nearly five batters per nine innings. And uh, he's a two pitch pitcher. So I don't know, like might need to add something to his arsenal to really kind of take the next step, um, you know, ascending the high leverage ladder there. But yeah, Barlow, I don't, I just don't see how he's not the closer uh, unless he gets traded. Which, who knows? So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. It's a tough one, just a tough team in general. Let's put it that way. And one thing that Ryan has on this chart, which is very nice, it just even lets you know how many saves that every team have last year. And the Royals had 33 total saves. So let's just do the math on how successful that makes you. It's tough, tough to earn earn the love that you need for your fantasy teams. There. Let's go to the Minnesota Twins as we wrap up the AL Central. Um, we all loved Duran last year. He had his injury concerns. Lopez came over, did not pitch like he did in Baltimore. Um, is it the Duran show, or are we still kind of looking at other options? I have no clue. Like, this is the <laughs> hardest pen to really kind of figure out um, because they have other options that are good. Um, so, you know, Duran's the most exciting, but I think the Twins are probably – more likely to be flexible with his roles because he's, you know, so good. Um, Jorge Lopez, they acquired last year, kind of fell apart in the second half. Um, walk rate really kind of ballooned. So it depends how he's really pitching to see if he gets opportunities. Uh, Griffin Jacks made successful transition to full-time relief last year, added nearly three miles per hour velocity adjusted his pitch, pitch mix um, slider replaced his fastball as his primary pitch and had the best season of his career so far. So he could be like an interesting one, but um, I see him kind of being more like the, you know, middle relief guy eats up innings, pitches a bunch of innings, kind of like, you know, kind of like Barlow, you know, Scott Barlow has pitched 74 and a third past two seasons see Jack, Jack's, you know, approach 80 innings. Um, and then they have, you know, Caleb Thielbar, one of the best hard hit rates in the league um, allowed, but only one career save for him. And then a guy I loved last year, Jorge Alcala. Yeah. He had uh, um, surgery towards the end of the season last year, expected to be ready for spring, but we have no idea how he's going to look. So this, this one's kind of the toughest one for me. Um, probably fading Duran at his, his ADP right now. If he slips, I'd consider it, but I don't know. I don't, I mean, honestly, I think, I think Griffin Jacks is the one I'll probably have the most of from this pen. Um, just cause no one's really targeting him or drafting him much. So, and I really like what he did. So I like it. I like it because we've seen Jax have his moments. Then you mentioned what he did to top it off. And and the biggest thing you mentioned there with Duran is we know who he is and how good he is. I can't pay that price with this with what's going on. And that that that's my my conundrum. And yeah, you mentioned Alcala. That was one that stung because he looked so good. And then just boom, the injury happened. So yeah. it does. Let's go to the AL West and we'll go to the Houston Astros, the defending World Series champions. 
Still the Ryan Presley show until otherwise noticed, huh? Yeah, I don't think there's much to discuss for Houston. Presley is someone I would confidently target as my closer one. And Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, Hector Neris, they're all great for draft champions league. So I would, you know, certainly look to those guys later in, in those drafts. And, um, you know, Montero and Abreu probably for, for 50s, which is the 12-team draft and hold format too. So, um, yeah, not much to discuss here. I mean, Presley's been injured a couple times recently, so that's why we saw Montero get double-digit saves. But who knows if we saw a career year from Montero and, you know, any one of these guys could, could get saves at any time when Presley's unavailable. So, um, but uh, I like Presley a lot. Yeah, that's why just because of how good Houston is and the options they'll have, like Montero and Naris, I at least look at late in DCs because I'm thinking there's going to be a window where Presley, because he, he, it feels like he always spends at least one IL stint somewhere. And yeah. that just, and so the DC format, that's one of those like, I'll, I'll spec and take my chances and see where we go on those for sure. Yeah. Texas Rangers here. You got you know, Jose Leclerc, Jonathan Hernandez had his moments last year. Barlow never came back from injury. There was a lot of options towards the end of the year there, and not many of them panned out to be great. But uh, how are you looking at Texas going into this season? I'm kind of surprised they haven't added anyone um, aside from picking up LeClerc's $6 million yeah, team option. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> I could see like them taking a shot on Chapman or Kimbrell, even Taylor Rogers. I, I don't know. It's it doesn't It doesn't seem to be like a super deep bullpen aside from like, because Brock Burke pitched a bunch of innings, but like he's not gonna like probably factor into the saves mix. Um, maybe they re-sign Matt Moore, who's currently still a free agent. I, I'm not sure, but Jose Leclerc, um, really like him right now. Uh, you know, I was on Rob DiPietro's pull hitter podcast uh, recently, and um, he kind of and more I dug into him when writing his player outlook for Rotowire. I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty good. Um, so slider and, and change up had whiff rates over 42%. Uh, his fastball kind of got crushed, but um, the other pitches were really good. And he had six of Texas's final eight saves. So um, got the momentum going into 2023. We don't know if Joe Barlow is going to be healthy or not. He'd be the only other uh, reliever I'm currently interested in from Texas uh, as their roster currently stands. Really no interest in Jonathan Hernandez. Um, you know, throws triple digits, but it just I'm not super impressed with him. Um, so, yeah, LeClerc's security is um, probably pretty, pretty good right now uh, unless they sign someone else. So... All right, well, we'll stick with Jose Leclerc there at Texas. It's you never know; they're spending more money than I thought, so you never take them off the board as a yeah. surprise spender. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim have done great things to shore up their offense this year. I'm very impressed with things. Bullpen to me is still a question mark. You know, they brought Carlos Estevez in. We saw Herget, Tapera, and others have chances last year after Iglesias left. It seems kind of like an unknown situation, similar to Minnesota, Ryan. But how are you looking at uh, the Angels? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty unknown, I think. But uh, if you look at it from what we know from last year, you know, Phil Nevin, they retained him uh, as their manager. So 
Um, we know after Rysel Glacius was traded, they they kind of used a quasi committee with with Jimmy Herget, Ryan Tapera. Uh, Herget tallied half of the Angels' 16 saves after Glacius was traded, but Nevin often called on him earlier in games in high leverage spots. Um, his curveball and slider were really good, but sinker was just destroyed. Um, 397 batting average against 603 slugging when he threw it. So um, that kind of concerns me a little bit with Herget. Um, Tapera had five saves after the Iglesias trade, but he's a free agent after 2023. So if the Angels are out of contention for the playoffs at the deadline, we could see him on the move. Um, so my, my favorite target from this pen is, is Estevez. Uh, he had a career best season last year, finally escapes Colorado, 25 career saves, and away from Coors Field has a career 351 ERA, 126 whip, which, which aren't amazing, but they're way better than his splits at Coors Field. So um, he's really the only one I'm targeting. Uh, I, I was looking at Tapira a little bit, um, and I think maybe – the team's editions uh, of Drury, Renfro, um, you know, it could be more more so in playoff contention this year. Um, but there's always that risk, you know, that they're they're out of it by the deadline and then they just move on from whoever's on an expiring contract. So um, Paris kind of interesting. I'll, I'll, I've taken shots on him late, so, um, but I really like Estevez where, where he's at right now. Yep, that seems to be a common trend. Uh, Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners. This is a very good bullpen. Very good bullpen. Um, Pat Sewell or Sewell seems to get most of the love, but a lot of talented guys back there that could all earn saves. It's almost like Tampa Bay in a way, but maybe a little more clear-cut where it seemed like Sewell got the, the main gist of it, but Munoz and, and others back there. So how are you attacking this Mariners bullpen come draft season? Yeah, I love Sewold and Munoz, but um, you know Sewold Sewold tallied half of the team's forty saves last year. But the Mariners recently announced he underwent heel and elbow surgeries. Uh, expected to be ready for spring training, but that's a little like concerning, right? Like, I don't know. Um, and then Andres Munoz broke out last year, but but he's got a couple of big question marks too. First, is he going to be healthy? He went under. Uh, under the knife too this offseason foot surgery and if he's healthy will he will he get more save opportunities we don't we don't know that yet so um recently updated my closer and waiting rankings for riddle wire um it's right there on the closer grid and i moved diego castillo up pretty pretty high on that list to to six my closer and waiting rankings uh, munoz is actually first on that list but uh, i moved castillo up just because you know, he's got the closing experience, um, and we just don't know if these off-season surgeries are going to kind of delay the seasons for Munoz and Sewald or, or what. So, yeah, um, love both of that, both of those guys if they're healthy, but but those are risks you have to kind of weigh when you're deciding whether or not to draft him. Yep. No, it's, it's a fun bullpen. Lots and lots of options, which at least helps with the question marks, but uh... – yeah, this, the injuries, especially the surgeries on Sewell, is not the most uh, warm feeling when you're when you're drafting them. Not the most extreme price tag, but still not not the best for sure. Let's go to the Oakland Athletics as we wrap up the American League here. 
Uh, you got Jimenez had his moments. Jackson had his moments. They just signed Trevor May, who legit could have an argument to be the closer on this team. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in Oakland. So how are you breaking down this Oakland bullpen? I'm guessing Domingo Acevedo will open the season as the closer in Oakland. Uh, only had a, a 22% strikeout rate, but he had a 16% swinging strike percentage. So we could see his strikeout rate improve next year if he if he kind of maintains that. Um and he was the closer to close out the season. Um, and another reason I, I think he'll continue to be the closer is um, Danny Jimenez, Zach Jackson coming back from shoulder injuries. I don't really have interest in either of them. Um, Jackson was among the AL leaders in the holds category, but he had one of the worst walk rates in the league. And then Jimenez had shoulder problems twice last year that he didn't address this offseason at all through surgery or anything. So... I just have no interest in Jimenez. Um, you mentioned Trevor May, who uh, just signed with the A's. He's the most experienced reliever in their pen. Uh, should be featured plenty in high leverage, but only has 12 career saves. So who knows if you know he would even sniff double digits in that category. Uh, he also missed three months last year with a triceps injury. So uh, I don't know. I'm probably not in on may um the two guys i i most interested in are acevedo and aj puck um puck was pretty good last year didn't really use him too much in the closer role but still pitch pitch pretty well earlier in games um probably fall into several wins uh plenty of holds if you're in a league that counts uh, holds so um those are the two guys i i really want from from the a's but but again it's like you're, how many how many saves, saves are they going to have? You know, a pretty bad team. So, yeah. No offense, Scott Jen said. Yeah, I know. Scott's got, I, I feel Scott's pain for once. I'll tell you that much. So, we're in the same boat there. Front office is doing what? Um, yeah, it's uh, not a lot of save chances there. Interesting relievers all could get traded at any point in time, it feels like. So, uh, just buckle up and see what happens. Let's go to the National League and we'll start with the NL East and we'll start with the New York Mets and we'll start with Edwin Diaz as one of the top two closers in baseball. Yeah, struck out 50% of the batters he faced last year. is just insane. Um, you know, and we talked about him a little bit earlier. Buck Walter used him a little bit earlier in games a few times. We'll see if that trend continues. But, um, you know, as long as he's, you know, they don't acquire Hendricks too, I think you can be pretty confident in drafting Diaz. <laughs> he's uh, pretty damn good. Yes, yes, he is. Not a whole lot else to be said on that one. He's, he's the man. It's He's like 1A to 1B to the claw. So you guys pick your poison there. Like I have no arguments there. Pick your guy. Um, we'll go to the Atlanta Braves, though, where Jansen's out of town and it's Jose Iglesias' season, which um, I've always thought it was when they made the trade last year. I was like, they made the trade. He's getting paid a lot of money still. Why would they not have him closed starting in 2023? There's still some, some people that didn't believe it, and I get it. Anything can happen, but – He's the guy, and he was filthy even when he wasn't the closer last year, Ryan. Like, he was very, very good. So, I like him a lot. I've always had him as a top, you know, five, six closer for me, and I, to me, he slides right back into that that neck of the woods. Yeah, I haven't decided where I'm going to fall on him yet um, because he was pretty dominant over the final two months last year. Uh, 034 ERA, 084 whip, 15 holds over his final 26 and a third innings. Definitely the guy right now, but lost a little bit of Elo last season. Um, still was very effective, so um, maybe it's not 
as big of a concern. But um, what I'm concerned about is there's just Atlanta is just stacked with guys that have closing experience on the roster. Um, AJ Minter, Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates, Nick Anderson. Like they could just easily turn to any one of those guys if they're pitching well and Iglesias isn't. So um, I think Iglesias is probably fine, but that's, you know, kind of in the back of my mind. Um, definitely a top 10 closer for me, but I just don't know where within the top 10 he'll be. Maybe he's top five for me. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But, um, you know, we'll see, you know, if they add to that bullpen anymore or, or, or not. But, uh, yeah, he, he's an interesting one for me. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But I definitely uh, want some rice out because I could see him, like, leading the league in saves. But, oh, yeah. like, I don't want, like, too much of them. <laughs> That's so. fair. That's fair because you do have a lot of options there in that bullpen as a revol- potential revolving door if all, all heck breaks loose. Let's go to the Nationals. We're talking about all heck breaking loose. That was a mess last year if you tried to figure out that bullpen. And we're back to Kyle Finnegan potentially this year and other options. So how are you looking at Washington? Like, is it even worth trying to to roster these guys, or is there someone you are targeting? Yeah. Yeah, there's um, there's two arms I'm interested in from the Nationals. Uh, Tanner Rainey underwent Tommy John surgery last year, so he's likely to miss all of 2023, so you can kind of safely rule him out. Um, the two arms I like are, are Kyle Finnegan. He's one of my favorite closer two, closer three targets right now. Um, not super expensive. Um one of the more experienced guys uh, just from, you know, being there for the past couple of years uh, and having, you know, been in safe situations the past two years. Um, the other guy I really like is Hunter Harvey. He's probably the most talented reliever in Washington, but injuries have wrecked his career. He's a major health risk. Um, but if his health prevails, he could easily factor in the mix for saves. He was, he was really good last year. So. I love the I love the Harvey shout. I have a couple shares of Hunter Harvey um, in late late rounds because I remember the pedigree. I was there with Baltimore. It looked really really good. So, yeah, yeah former hopefully. first round pick. Uh, you yeah. know, great K rate. K rate. Yeah, it's yeah just, very can very you stay healthy. <laughs> That's the big question. Big big question. Let's go to Philadelphia, where um, you know they made some moves last year. Brought in David Robertson. He's gone. Domingo's had his moments. I've always been a Jose Alvarado fan. They bring in Matt Strom, who's been very good out of the pen. Um, how are you doing the Phillies bullpen? Yeah, Rob Rob Thompson, their manager, uh, really shifted to, to pretty much a committee after Corey Knebel was demoted from closing duties. So um thing with uh, Dominguez, Ranting Dominguez, just his walk rate is just so high. Um, you know, so is Jose Alvarado's. Uh, but I think... Alvarado just has more upside. He had he had the highest whiff rate in any cutter in the league at 55.7%. 14.3 per nine was career best for him, third best, uh, third highest among qualified relievers. And even though his walk rate was still above 10%, he cut it by 7.5% last year. So um, I, I really like Alvarado. A lot of his other stat cast metrics were 98th percentile or higher. 22 holds so if you're in a holds league you should rack up plenty of those and i think there's upside there for you know 15 saves if you know he gets more um looks in the ninth but he's got to keep his uh control under control (laughs) and uh because the walks are have always been an issue for him 
but he's the one I like most out of this pen. Um, I could just see them mixing, you know, Dominguez, Alvarado, Strom, Connor Brogdon, all those guys getting saves. So it's not really a pen I'm, I'm targeting, but you know, it's a good team. So, you know, you want to get at least someone late uh, as a spec. Yeah, because they're going to get plenty of wins. They should. They should. I'm not going to. It is a tough division, so maybe not. But uh, yeah, definitely options in the back of that bullpen. Could yeah. also see them adding someone too, like oh yeah, um, like one of those taking a shot on one of those remaining free agent closers, or even someone like Andrew Chafin would be like really good. You know, that would be another lefty, but um, they already have a couple of those. But I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't think. Like among the playoff teams, they had the worst bullpen out of all the playoff teams, and they still made the World Series. But I still think they could they could use the upgrade pen. And they've proven they're not afraid to add too much. Like they added Robertson and Knebel. Like they they're not worried about having too many guys that, that could close type thing. So yeah, definitely an option there. Uh, Miami Marlins, on the other hand, might not win a lot of games. They might though. They're just like that pesky team that could surprise you, could not. Dylan Floro, he's had his moments. He's also been rumored to be traded so many times. Tanner Scott was good at getting saves, but it was ugly at times when he wouldn't got those saves. So what are you doing here? Are you drafting Floro, and then when they trade him, you drop him? Or what, what are you trying to do here with Miami? Yeah, if if Floro's kind of falls into a range where I want to get you know 10 to 15 saves, I would take him. Um, but the very likely outcome, since he's a free agent after the season, is, is he's going to get traded in no. Marlins probably won't be competitive. Um, and I would be surprised if Flora is not the closer in the first half, just because you would want to try to build up his trade value. So, you know, perhaps Tanner Scott gets the job again when, if that trade happens, maybe Stephen Okert. I just don't want any Marlins. Yeah. Yeah, it's not really worth the hassle, the headache that's going to yeah. take place there. I'm 100% with you. Like, I'm, and I'm, Anthony I'm, Bender's out for the year. Like he, I would have had interest in him, but he's probably out for Tommy John, so the whole season. Yeah. So. I did the, I've done the floral thing, I think, in one draft. It's like, like you said, 10, give me 10, 15, and I'll piece it together from there. But other it's than that, I don't want to sexy, right? Like, Floro is oh, a good reliever. God. Like, that's not, yep. you know. It's not like completely crap on him. He's good, but it's just it's just not a. Sexy well, we already know, like you said, we already know the outcome. We already know the outcome. Basically, he's gonna get traded. It's yeah. gonna be as like a setup man or a seventh inning guy more often than not. So you're gonna lose yeah. him after that. That's the that's the downside. A roll the step into the Marlins. It's very possible. I think Floro would be a fun late round pick in a redraft league. No, I don't care. I'll just drop him when he gets traded, but eat those saves now as a late pick. Guess we'll have to wait and see how that one plays out. NL, NL Central, let's go to those St. Louis Cardinals. We jo- we joked about the Ryan Helsley trade rumors. He was very, very good last year, but so was Gallegos. Gallegos can't be downplayed at all. So they got that going for him, but you mentioned there's not a whole lot else to love in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Gallegos. He's just going so much later than Helsley is and could definitely finish with more saves um, than him. You know, he signed the extension with them towards the end of last year for two years. So we know he's going to be part of their high leverage plans uh, moving forward. Um, you know, from a skills perspective, Helsley is a lot better than Gallegos, but also some injury risk from, from the past. Um, so, you know, something to, to monitor with Helsley. Um, if I, I would try to like target like both of these guys in a draft, like especially a DC, just so you're kind of covered because, you know, 
I don't really see anyone else kind of joining the mix for saves. Like Jordan Hicks is a little intriguing to me, um, but it's just Patrol is just so spotty. Like I don't know. Like his that was a weird experiment um, as a starter with him last year. Yeah, I don't know why they would do that. Uh, just because his walk rate's just been terrible for years. So, but it would be interesting to see if like he gets that under control. Like if he rejoins the the mix for saves in St. Louis. Um, so like it's possible, but I'm not like betting on that. I like I I do want like at least one Hicks this year, um, just as a spec. But yeah, I like. Uh, I like both Helsley and Gallegos. I mean, they're both just solid, solid guys. And Helsley's got the more upside, obviously. But I'm just more interested in Gallegos at his price and his, you know, he's just been so good. So, Yeah, I've been with you. Gallegos has been, like, staring me in the face in a lot of drafts. So I've taken him a few spots, just looking at the value, looking at what he's done, looking at what he could do, basically, as a, as a potential guy in waiting. But the Hicks comments I like a lot because it was very confusing last year. Let's stretch him out to be a starter and then not stretch him out, really. Yeah. That was that was confusing. Uh, he showed some signs of life, and he was kind of not there. Was at one time going to be the, the lead closer for St. Louis a couple years ago. So there's something there, like you're saying, which is kind of intriguing. Uh, still a little concerning as well. Yeah, he settled into like a multi-inning reliever mm-hmm. for them. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. Very it's weird, weird. Weird situation, but. You know what else is weird or just confusing or depressing? Depends on how you want to look at it. The Chicago Cubs, they're they're bullpen situation. They bring in Brock's, Brad Boxberger. We saw Brandon Hughes was very successful at times last year. Um, Rowan Wick still hanging around for those that like the Rowan Wick quote unquote experience. Um, there's all kinds of things going on with the Cubbies. So how are you approaching this, or is it just kind of a stay away situation? I'm staying away for the most part. Um... There is one reliever I like from this team. I'll talk get to in a minute, but um, they've just had a trend of signing a guy, a veteran reliever for one year, and then trading him if they're out of content playoff contention. And Cubs are a little better this year. They look they look like they could be like sneaky good, but um, you know they did it two years ago with Kimbrel. Um, last year with David Robertson, signed him to one year deal. Moved you know moved on from him, traded him when they were out of playoff contention. So. Boxberger, I mean, could be the guy in like the first half. Um, he was second in the league with 29 holds last year, but I mean, getting up there is not like super good. So he's not like somebody I'm necessarily targeting, even though he's probably the favorite for saves right now. Uh, Rowan Wick, you mentioned 147 career whip. Don't want any part of that. Manuel Rodriguez, nearly as many walks as strikeouts in his big league career not interested um the guy i really like is cody hoyer um he was part of the kimberl deal to the white Sox um a couple years ago and he's you know coming back from um tommy john surgery but if so i don't know it's like nobody really is like super on him but if you look at the dc overall winner last year Mm-hmm. He took Jose Leclerc as one of his last round picks, right? That worked um, out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. Exactly. Um, Hoyer is obviously one of their, you know, long is in their long term plans. Um, so, whenever he's healthy enough to pitch, probably doesn't step back into that 
mix for saves right away. But uh, second half, I could see him definitely taking over and getting 10 to 12 saves. So he's the guy I'm really targeting from this pen late later in drafts. Um, and it just, you know, you see that you see Tommy John and you're just like, you see it in a draft, especially a DC where you're not able to like make any moves in season. And you're just like, eh, I don't know. But then I look at, I kind of remind myself, well, Hey, there's, there's guys that come back from serious injuries that are good pitchers that, you know, can still be valuable in half a season. And at that point in the draft, you're probably past around 40, around 45. And I, I think and he, you could take worse shots at that. I mean, Cody, Cody makes me laugh because he was the one that tweeted out he was having surgery last year before like any beat reporters or anything. I remember yeah. we were all on Twitter going, "Wait, what?" Because it was before drafts, before the season started, and he was the guy most of us were specking on for like, to have the closers gig, and all of a sudden he's having Tommy John surgery. Like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Um, that that was a fun one, very very fun one. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers, this is one where I get a lot of flack for this, but I'm a huge Devin Williams believer. I think he's legit, like, ace-closer type stuff. People think I'm crazy. You can tell me if I'm crazy. I have no, I don't take offense to it, but to me it's Devin Williams, and we, we, I don't care what else really, but what do you got for Milwaukee? I don't think you're crazy at all. Like, Devin Williams might be my number one closer. Uh, he's really, really good. <laughs> um I so I say this, I say this because that early, early DC we were in, Ryan, I caught so much shit yeah, for taking yeah. Devin Williams. And I was like, this guy is legit. Like, once he got the job, he's the best one out there almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, who else are they going to turn to in that? That's my right point. Like, yeah. There's no one else, really. Um, career high 15 saves last year, and he got seven of Milwaukee's final nine saves close out the year. So, you know, when they first traded Hater, it was kind of like a committee a little bit. Uh, between Devin Williams, Matt Bush, um, Taylor Rogers was there at that point. So they kind of mixed and matched a little bit. But down the stretch, Williams was the guy. He's a stud. 99th percentile ranking or better in nine different stat cast metrics. Um, I mean, what else can you ask for? I mean, the only thing is, is, um, you know, if the Brewers offense kind of falls off a cliff, like I do worry about wins a little bit. Yeah. Um, with that team and especially like what they do if uh, they decide to rebuild, like would they even consider trading Williams? Like, I don't know, but yeah, I, I really, really like, I, I don't blame you for taking Williams there thinking he's really good. Cause he's amazing. Okay. That makes yeah. Walk better. rate, you know, you kind of, everyone has their downfalls, but when you have a pitch that's nicknamed the airbender, I mean, uh-huh. you're probably going to walk some people. As long as he doesn't hit any walls, we're okay. Like, yeah, that's the yeah. concern. That's the only, that's really the yeah. only thing that's beaten him so far. Yeah, don't so, punch a wall. Yeah, but um, I'm a big fan, so that makes me feel better because you were in that room on the it live was. Zoom when I caught all kinds of shit. For that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was confused. I was like, "What did I miss? Did he like lose his job somehow? People like what, what's going on here?" So I think I was like speculative of it too at first because it was like August at that point, and the season yeah. wasn't over. wasn't over, and he was kind of. I think he was still kind of splitting save opportunities with other people Um, because it was like right after the hater trade. So at first I was like, wait, but now I'm like fully on board. Yeah, it's a good pick. Sweet. Sweet. So the Cincinnati Reds where Alexis Diaz was awesome last year. He didn't have the full-time gig last year, but just his overall stuff, great. Entering 2023, everyone's speculating it's his. But then again, it's the Reds, Ryan. And last year – if you tried to play speculation game throughout a fab season with the Reds, you lost half your budget. So 
How are you going? Is, is it Alexis Diaz's time, or is there someone else you're looking to target in Cincinnati? I'm going to give you several reasons why I'm fading Alexis Diaz. First, um, it's the Reds, like you said. Like David Bell's used a committee the past two years. So who knows how many saber opportunities he'll get. Um, two, TJ Antone, Tony Santian are coming back, both probably high leverage relievers. Probably part of that saves mix. Uh, three, Diaz is an extreme fly ball pitcher in a bad home park. Um, his 178 BABIP was second lowest among relievers, and you'll have that when you're a fly ball pitcher, but, um, you know, probably pretty lucky on the ratio side. Uh, high walk rate, 13 near 13%, and only two pitches, so fastball slider. And now we made that work, but, um, yeah, I just don't want any Alexis Diaz. <laughs> Um, for all those reasons. Now, I've taken a few shots on some of the guys I mentioned, like Antone, uh, passed around 45 in the draft champions. But um, other than that, I'm not really interested in anyone here. So. I was wondering about the Antone because I liked him a lot before he got hurt. Like, yeah, the talent level was great. So, yeah, you can get him super late, I guess, as a spec. Because Diaz, I, I think, is good. But the Reds, man, it's the Reds. Um, another team where this kind of stings, Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, David Bednar is the guy, unless he gets traded, which he did somehow didn't last year, which was surprising. But the problem is they don't save games. They just don't win games. They just It's just a mess there. He's a, one of the best closers in base, our best relievers, I'll say, in baseball. Just closing is a tough game for him. So are you looking at Bednar or anybody else in Pittsburgh? Yeah, Bednar is very clearly the guy in Pittsburgh. Uh, his stability when he's healthy is probably – one of the highest in the leagues just because he's got so little competition for, for saves. Um, the guy I might take a shot or two on in um, the last few rounds of the draft champions would be Yeri De Los Santos. A um, little bit interesting from, you know, decent strikeout rate, lots of round balls. Um, and, you know, Bednar's missed a few months last year with a back injury and, and, you know, back injuries for pitchers, a little scary. Um, so, but I would be comfortable. I wouldn't be comfortable with Bednar as like a closer one, but like as a closer two for sure. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, there's really not much else to say because there's just no one else to really talk about. In this yeah, it's, so. it's, it's, dread, it's dreadful in Pittsburgh. It's pretty bad. So man. hopefully they get their Andrew McCutcheon reunion that, that's rumored out there. Give him something to look forward to for the final season of his career. Uh, let's go to the NLS and wrap this bad boy up here. The Los Angeles Dodgers, um, they haven't just lost half of their starting lineup, it feels like. They've lost a big chunk of their bullpen, a.k.a. their closing situation. There's still some very qualified people back there. Don't get me wrong. But how are you looking at it? Because you have Gratterall, you have um, Hudson, you have a handful of guys that are good, but who's going to be the man? I think they're all going to be the man. <laughs> like, yeah. I really, really like this pen. Like, there's a lot of really good relievers here that could, uh, you know, pitch in either a handful of saves or get, you know, 10 to 15. Uh, my favorite's probably Daniel Hudson. Um, we do have to monitor his health. He's coming back from a torn ACL, but um i think hudson would allow phillips to kind of pitch you know the higher leverage role earlier in games um phillips he had the best era among qualified relievers third best whip uh, career best marks in innings strikeouts holds um, only got two saves but uh, you know kimbrell's out of the picture now could 
potentially be more of a factor in that category uh, in 2023. Um, Bristar Gratterall, he had two more trips to the IL last year for shoulder elbow issues. Um, he actually looked like he was going to take over the closer role before he got hurt. So we really kind of have to weigh like the health risk versus his upside. Um, did get four saves, so, you know, high ground ball rate. So I really think it's kind of, you know, when uh, I think it's like a matchup spaced type thing, like if you need some ground balls, you know, in the ninth for Gratterall on there. And then um, one of my biggest targets right now is Alex Vesia, um, top lefty in that bullpen, one of the best four seamers in the league. Um, 73.8% in zone contact was fourth best among relievers. And then from mid July on, he had an 036 ERA, 072 whip, and 40 Ks in 25 and two thirds innings. Like, that dude's pretty good. So, pretty cheap right now. So, he's like one of my biggest targets late in DCs right now. And I really like all those guys we just talked about. Like, I think all of them have the potential for 10 or more saves. Yeah, no, they they definitely have it. Uh, when you win 110 games a year, you can you can have a few closer quality pitchers back there be productive yeah. for you. Uh, San Francisco Giants, Camilo Duvall um, seems to be the guy. Last year, you know, we went into the season, and there's always the rumors you might you know platoon this, that, and the other. In the end, he was pretty much the guy. He's on the very strong side of a platoon. As long as he's not walking, guys, he's filthy. And that's been a trend with a lot of these guys we've talked about, high walk rates. This is what these guys do. When you throw as hard as they do, as much movement as they do, there's going to be some outings where it's like, damn it. But <laughs> that's just the way it goes. But you said you're a believer in Duvall. Is that the only guy you're looking to in San Francisco, or is there anybody else? Yeah, that's the only one. I, I think they could, you know, from a depth perspective, it looks like they need to add some relievers. I know on RotoWire we only have like a they few They got money relievers for it now, so they can. Listed. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe they just sign all three of like Kimbrell, Chapman, and, and Taylor Rogers. Um, yeah. I think Taylor Rogers kind of makes sense because his brother is there. there. Like. Yeah. Makes their twins. Let's have, like at least we can yeah. do a marketing campaign, make some money since you need more of it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. But right now, Duvall is really the only one I'm interested in, and and um, you know, hopefully they don't add anyone. I don't. I don't really think any of those guys would would kind of jeopardize no. his, you know, primary safe share there. But um, like you said, he he tends to walk some guys. So yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah I like Duvall. That'll be the conundrum. Uh, San Diego Padres. Now, this is another team that seemed like used to have closers on lockdown, and they do again. Josh Hader, uh, after you know, there's the reports coming out of the stuff he was handling between his, you know, the birth of his child, the issues there with his wife, and everything. And there's a lot of stuff outside the field that we don't always pay attention to. It seemed like once that kind of got better, that situation got much better. Hader got much better again, and he finished the year looking, at least in the postseason, especially. Looked like the Jonathan the Hater of old, Josh Hater of old. So, are you believing he's the, the guy, nothing to worry about there, or, or the blips we saw last year concerned enough to dig in on some San Diego Padres relievers? No, well, I I, I am interested in in Robert Suarez, um, but I think Hater's very clearly. I have no concerns with him. You know, he he did um, make some mechanical tweaks towards the end of last year. He, um, San Diego's got one of the best pitching coaches in the league, Ruben Niebla. He was a big reason for the the Guardians, you know, pitching factory success um, before moving on to San Diego. So um, he noticed a mechanical issue with Hader. They tweaked it. It actually unlocked more velocity. He had, he had triple digits for the first time in his career towards the end of the season. So 
um, yeah, I really, I really think, uh, you know, he, he has the potential to be, you know, obviously a, a top closer in the, <laughs> in the league. We've, we've seen that before. So I wouldn't let a few bad outings really kind of deter you from drafting him. Um, cause there was really just a couple blowups that really kind of impacted his ratios. True. Um, and that final month in the playoffs really just kind of gives me confidence to, to draft him. I mean, I took him in the first, I think the, I think the first round of the might've been a gladiator. Um, I know it took him early recently. Yeah. I think it was a gladiator, but, uh, but yeah, I have no concerns with, with hater. I took him in the first round of my gladiator um, last week with uh, my second one. I did. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm believing in hater as well. Uh, yeah. Colorado Rockies, Daniel Bard was one of the best closers in baseball last year. Things you don't hear often with Colorado Rockies pitchers. It's also elevated his price a bit this draft season. And I'm always concerned about any pitcher in Coors, even how good he was for one year. So what's your thoughts on Daniel Bard and the rest of that bullpen? Yeah, I think we can expect some ratio regression from Bard. His his BABIP was pretty low, um, but you know he, he ditched the fastball for a sinker. Um and that led to, you know, more ground balls, um, you know, six most saves in the league with 34 um, through, um, you know, the sinker to a lot of left-handed batters who hit just uh, 174 against them last year compared to 319 in 2021. So he really improved against left-handed hitters. Um, and once again, there's like no competition for that role really. Um you know, they added Pierce Johnson and, and Brent Suter. Uh, I don't really see them challenging Bard for the closer role. So um, he will be 38, but he still throws like 98 miles an hour. So, you know, I took Bard. Um, I know I said on a podcast recently that I'd be, I'd be confident with Bard as my closer one and actually had that happen recently. And I feel okay about it. So I'm not, I'm not too concerned other than the fact that Colorado probably isn't a great team yeah. uh so save chances may be limited um would be really the only concern i have with bard gotcha um let's go to the last team here and i didn't do this on purpose but it feels like the d-backs might be the most obvious answer of where one of those guys signs that we've talked about or a potential trade of like liam Hendricks. says this is the team that needs to make a move to shore up the back end of a bullpen if if they really care which that's a big if at times because you know, Melanson, we saw that show last year. Kennedy's gone. Ginkle, Mantiply, we all thought would be the guy. He didn't do it. It's a rough bullpen, Ryan. So how are we assessing the D-backs right now? Because I'm just ex- I'm expecting someone else to show up and take the job. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, it's just tough to get, like, behind Melanson. He's just, you know, bottom third percentile K rate, declining velocity, his worst ratio since 2017, like, and he lost the job last year. Now I, I could still see him getting 10 saves as the roster is currently constructed, but I don't know. Uh, yep. um, he's pretty cheap in drafts. Like that's, I will say that. So I'm not like opposed to taking a shot on Melanson late in DC or, or a 50. Um, but I think chances are pretty good that they do add one of those um, free agent closers that are available right now. Um, Kevin Ginkle could be an alternative. Um, I kind of have him as like the next in line guy right now. 
behind Melanson. There's really kind of have a, like a, a committee between Melanson, Ginkle, Joe Mantiply. Joe Mantiply is the best reliever in the pen. Um, he was an all-star last year, great walk rate. Um, but, you know, they had an opportunity to use him as a closer last year, and they didn't. So um, I think they kind of just want him to be their top lefty out of the pen in those scenarios and then um, rely on the other guys. But, yeah, it's kind of a full fade for me and unless one of those free agents signs there. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I don't even want to play the game with this team. I'll, I'll pick from the other 29, go from there, narrow it down some more. But I do feel like one of those main names we keep talking about is going to Arizona. Yeah, and they just signed uh, Scott McGuff from Japan, who was a closer there. He had some success. Not not really great baseball reference page. Nothing super impressive stands out uh, for McGuff, but, you know, he was a closer in Japan. We've seen Robert Suarez come over, be successful in the big leagues after, you know, a couple of good seasons in Japan. So it could be an option for them. Um, you know, we'll see how he pitches in spring, but um, yeah, I'm kind of haunted by this last year. I think early in draft season uh, last year, um, what was it? What was his name? Oh, Wendelkin. Um, JB Wendelkin yeah, was like in that. Arizona, picked up by Arizona, like, yeah, that just I picked him up in like the thirty something round and never used him once, so it was just a wasted pick at that point. So, yeah, I, I think the risk of having that happen is pretty high with this yeah. current bullpen. I a hundred percent agree that that's very very high in this situation. Yeah. Um, last question I have for you here, and we've talked about it, and I took notes like I always do when I have you and others on the show. So maybe the listeners did too, but I'm going to ask it anyways. And you have to give away all your secrets because I know you do a lot of DCs and 50s. What are your favorite late round targets? I'm going to, go away, I'm going to give away all my guys right now. So <laughs> here they are. Alex Lang from Detroit. Diego Castillo. Daniel Hudson I really like. Vessia from the Dodgers. Jose Alvarado. Robert Suarez. Ronaldo Lopez. Cody Hoyer. Look at that, there folks. Those are all That's the guys simple. I really, really want right now. Open and, book. That's Open book, I love truth. it. And it, it makes me feel better because um, I do a, like a couple drafts before I really dig into podcasts and, and researching articles and stuff. And at least half those guys have been targets of my late, which makes me feel a little better about my mental process of getting things going, seeing that you're on them. So I'll ask you other talk names. to each other every year. Buddy. That that That's true. <laughs> we do we this talk every year. Yeah, we do the same show every year. Plus we talk about things throughout the season. So yes, yeah. I kind of have a, an idea of what's going on. But yeah. um, that's why I tell people the beautiful thing about doing this show is people say they love listening to it. I love doing it because I'm learning as I do it. So it's a it's it's a it's a great uh, yin and yang situation. Yeah, but sure. um, awesome, thirty teams and some playful banter beforehand, all in the books. Another wonderful time with Mr. Ryan Roof. Um, plug away your good stuff before we head on out, and you get to enjoy your holidays with the family. Yeah. To first of all, to the listeners, thank you for for listening, tuning in. I really appreciate. It. I've been been making the podcast rounds more often awesome. uh, this off season, so you're probably sick of hearing my voice by now. But but really appreciate um, all the listeners who tune in. Please continue supporting this podcast. Bench with Bubba is 527 episodes deep. Like that's a lot of episodes of fantasy baseball content. So. Keep supporting Bubba and all his his great guests that he has on. So um, appreciate you having me. Have a safe, happy holiday year, new year. Hope to see you all in the draft room real soon. And uh, you can find my work at Rotowire. 
find me on Twitter at Ryan Roof, R-U-F-E. Always engage with people on there and uh, pretty close to 1,500 followers. I, I, like, I, I don't really care like yeah. about like those numbers, but like I just noticed that and I was like, still, oh, still cool. Yeah. Um, so. Thanks for the kind words. I'll say that much. Uh, not needed, but thank you. What I wanted to say was I, like, I joked about it and then you tweeted about it too that I think I joked about it on the show with Fish the other night or something. I said, I have Ryan Roof coming on. He's been on a lot of podcasts lately. And that's a, a, a kudos to you. I'm glad people are having you on more. DPH was always good about that. Uh, I know you've been on with James and stuff, but when I started having you on a couple of years ago, you're kind of still new to the game of uh, podcasting world, and it's good to get you out there because you're very knowledgeable, not just in closings. People need to realize that uh, he's a very good fantasy baseball player, so go check that out. Um, and then the work at Rotowire is second to none. So Yeah, I tried to change it up this time a little bit because, you know, I did talk about the 30 bullpens with James and a lot of yeah. the guys, but, like, now that I've done – 130 reliever outlooks for the site like i'm much deep into it and there's yep. new things to share so hopefully this wasn't super repetitive yeah. for you guys uh no, for those that have listened to me in recent months i learned a lot i learned a lot and um the one thing you mentioned about doing those uh, player capsules basically or profiles you it's funny because i get catchers every year for one thing i've done other stuff it really does help. Like there's parts of me that goes, I wish I did this for every position because I'd crush my drafts, but there's no time yeah. in the world for that. But uh, yeah. it does just open up so many things to the Every the player, athletes. right? Be, yeah. It literally like I did 56 catchers. To, like that is ridiculous. So when you say yeah. 130 relievers, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's have a fun holiday season. Uh, make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Roof. I'm at Bediantric Ryan. Thanks for joining me. We will do this again, I think, another at least one more time this uh, off season. We'll have some fun. Sounds good. But anyway, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 527. Have a happy holidays. Catch you guys next time.